0: <laughs> well, for anyone that doesn't know, my name's Steve Rogers, I'm part of the preaching team here, and, and uh, welcome to everyone online that's visiting with us. I hope uh, you can follow along with us. We're gonna continue today with the series that we've been in, Asking for a Friend. And that's kind of a contemporary euphemism for, I have a question, but I don't wanna ask it. But some, I'll say somebody else is asking. New questions for a new generation. You know, I haven't had anybody in recent years come up to me and challenge me about which, for which version of the Bible I use. That used to be a big topic of conversation. I don't find anybody really bickering about that anymore. I haven't had anybody come up and wanna have a discussion, argument with me about uh, eternal security but there are people, more and more, who are asking, what's up with religion and why is all this violence going on? And that's what we've been doing in this series. We've been talking about questions that people nowadays are asking, real life questions, things that are really working on them, and maybe they don't even have the framework to form the question, but it's bothering them inside. There's a, there's a dissonance within. Even among Christians, there's a sense that we're, we're not getting it right. We're not following Jesus the way we think we should. What's going on? Well, there's violence in all religions because there's people in all religions. And so we're going to just talk about our tribe, if you will, the people that call themselves Christians. And we're going to try to understand the answer to this question I think a good place to start when we're talking about Jesus because Jesus really is the resolution of all these questions when you get right down to it there are two bookends this thing is bothering me there are two bookends in the life of Jesus on this end the beginning of Jesus we find him in the wilderness being tempted of the devil Mark chapter, Matthew chapter 4 tells us this, that he fasted for 40 days and then the devil came to him and tempted him. And what he tempted him with could be summarized in one phrase, the lure of power. The devil tried to lure Jesus into a misuse of his power. And you remember, he fasted for 40 days. I did that once, <laughs> but not like Jesus. I wasn't in the desert, and I did have hot chocolate once in a while. <laughs> but it wore me down, I'll, I'll give you that. Jesus was very depleted physically. Jesus, you know, he was a full human being. He felt everything we feel. Tempted in every way we are tempted. The only difference between us and him is he didn't sin. We do. But anyway, he was weak. He was weakened by the fast. He was, he was humbled before God. And that's when the devil hit him. He said, hey, if you're the son of God, you could say to these this bread, or these stones, be, become bread. And Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone. But the temptation was, use your power for self-gratification. Then he said, hey, let's go up to this high place and throw yourself off. If you're the son of God, God will catch you. Doesn't the Bible say he'll give his angels charge over you lest you dash your foot against the stone? And Jesus said don't tempt God. But he wanted him to play with the power. You know, let's have a little fun with this power. Jump off, see if God will catch you. How cool will that be? What a ride. It's like a bungee jump for God. (laughs) Jesus said, nope. Not going to do it. And then he said, well, look, I know what your game is, the devil said. Your game is to take over the world, to bring the kingdom of God, the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. I'll tell you what, we can cut through all that. If you'll just bow down and worship me, right here and right now, it's all yours. I'll just sign it over to you. It's yours. And Jesus said, I almost said it the way I would say it. <laughs> Get the, out of here. But uh, Jesus didn't say it that way. He said, depart from me. He said, you'd only worship God. and so, And so the devil left him. But then the scripture says in Matthew 4.11 that after he had fasted, the angels came and ministered to him. Now, they didn't come and just give him high fives. They came and ministered to him. Why did they minister to him? Because he was at a very, very weak and vulnerable place in his life. And it was a test and a challenge that would determine how he was going to proceed in his earthly life and in his ministry. And it was at that place of weakness and at that place of vulnerability And at that place of humble surrender before God and total dependence upon God that he began his public ministry. And that's this bookend. And then we fast forward to the end of his life and where do we find Jesus? Hanging on a cross. Impaled there by the empire. Totally surrendered to what the empire would do to him. The most... Graphic display of weakness you could ever imagine. Weakness, weakness. That is the life of Jesus. And it is with that in his heart, that in his spirit, that he went public and began to teach his disciples. And what are the kinds of things he taught them? He taught him things like Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what he was coming out of his spirit as he went public, having totally depended upon God to get him through the test and the trials of his own life. And then he continued on. And he said um, in Matthew five forty-three to 48, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Love your enemies? Yeah. And then he went on to say in 543 and 48, you've heard that it was said, love your God. Wait a minute. (laughs) Here we go. Not changed. <laughs> he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Basically, he said, you've got to expand your outreach of love and compassion and care beyond your own tribe. If all you, if all you do is like the people you, you that agree with you and that you like. Anybody can do that. There's nothing special about that. If you want to follow God's way, you must love your enemy and even the people that don't like you. And then he went on to say in Matthew chapter 7, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You know, this narrow way and broad way, there's a lot of sermons about it. I think most of the sermons I've heard about it, to be honest with you, have missed the point. We have to understand the bigger context. Jesus was saying that if you're going to follow my teaching and my way, it's a way that most people don't wanna go. And you know why? Because it means weakness. It means servanthood. It means self-surrender. It means dying to self. It means being meek. It means being a peacemaker. It doesn't mean Go to the top. It doesn't mean be a conqueror. It doesn't mean organize militias. It doesn't mean uh, be a bully in the neighborhood. It means humble yourself and serve one another. Let's move on. Matthew 16, 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Do you realize Jesus from the temptation, well actually from the birth in Bethlehem, through the temptation to the end of his days, he was on a mission to go to the cross. And he was saying, if you want to follow me, you've got to be on this mission with me to go to the cross. That's where you're headed if you're going to be a Christ follower. You're going to go to the cross. Well, what does that mean? Well, he said it. Deny yourself. Don't go about it your way with all of your wants and all of your preferences and all of your opinions and only hanging out with the people you want to hang out with that agree with you and clustering together to figure out how you can dominate the culture and society and take charge of things. My way, he said, is a narrow way. Everybody else is doing that. You don't do that. You're going to go to the cross. And finally, let's finish it up with Matthew 20. Jesus called them together. This is... This is when Peter and John's mother went to Jesus and said, hey, we want these two guys to be one on your right and one on your left when you come into your kingdom. We want them to be a part of the royal scenery on the throne with you because they're still thinking worldly ways of thinking. And Jesus said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, not... So with you. Not so with you. All right, you get the picture? He came out of weakness, brokenness, um, um, self-sacrifice. He brought that spirit into his teaching, and he carried it forward all the way, modeling it wherever he went in humble servanthood to others. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He blessed people. He fed people. He welcomed people whose society wouldn't welcome. He gave himself to the good of humanity even though it cost him his life. But of course the story doesn't end there because the last bookend on the story of Jesus and his earthly existence is he rose again. He rose again. He conquered life Conquers death. All right, so what happened? How did we get from there to here? Because there's a lot of ambivalence, a lot of disconnect in people's thinking about the role of Christianity in the world today. James tells us, back in James chapter 1, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires to battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Somehow, people get from following Jesus following their own covetous spirit. And they want control, they want domination. Here's how this played out in history. We're gonna take a real quick view trip through history. Let's pull up the next slide. There is a picture of the Emperor Constantine when he was fighting the battle with the regional governor down by Rome at the river crossing and in, the of, and in the battle, the battle wasn't going Constantine's way, and he had a dream, he says, at night, that I saw a cross, and a voice said, under this cross, you will win. That's what Constantine said. Under this cross, you will win. And if you look closely at that picture, you'll see that not only does it depict angels up there overlooking constantine there on the, the golden armament of raiment and the white horse but see the crosses in the background the legend is that constantine turn, converted to christianity and because of that god gave him the empire and then he declared all Rome is going to be Christian now and that was the beginning of what became known as the Roman Empire and the Pax Romana because now he had all of his enemies under control and he brought in Christians with him Christians fatigued from persecution and rejection even though they had grown and grown and grown in numbers they finally got absorbed into the empire and the Roman church and expanded well then we move on let's go to the next slide then we get to the crusades a few hundred years later and uh, the pope was in trouble and things weren't going well and uh, so he tried to figure out a way to rally everybody back to the original cause and he said I got an idea let's come up with an enemy we can all agree to fight against and and let's raise some money while we're doing it (laughs) and so he started the Crusades. Who wants to join up our army and go fight the bad people over there? That's the Crusades. And we're gonna carry the cross into battle. And so the Crusades went on for 100 years or so, and they went down and had limited success in Israel and the Middle East. And uh, within a few hundred years, the Muslims that they went to fight against controlled North Africa, Spain, good part of Southern Europe, even clear up into the Balkans, Turkey, and all of the Mediterranean area were dominated by the Muslims, the Ottoman Empire. And that didn't work out too well. And then uh, we move on from there to the next slide. Oh, here comes Christopher Columbus. He found the new world. Hi, people nice to meet you. See this cross? You better submit to it or we'll kill you. That's what they did. You can read the history. I'm shortening it up because my wife says I talk too long. (laughs) And then move on. After Columbus, here come the conquistadors. They came from France. They came from Spain. They came from Italy. They came from England. Uh, They came from Western Europe. And this is, this is Cortez. He's down meeting the Aztecs. Look at it, he's got a piece of paper and he's got a clergyman standing right behind him. And then the flag's up there, there's, there's uh, a cross. And what did Cortez say? He said, I've got good news for you, Aztecs. We now own all this. And you all get the privilege of being baptized as Christians, and if you don't, we'll kill you. Look to the next one. Here they came, slaughtering the Aztecs in the name of Jesus. That piece of paper he had was a declaration that this was land claimed by Spain in the name of Jesus and for the queen, Queen Isabella. Well, we move on to the next one. This is a contemporary picture. Now, there's a big another segment in here that I can't, I don't have a slide for, but colonialism. Colonialism was just the further manifestation of the conquistador mentality, and it was uh, strong nations sending their armies and their fleets around the world to establish colonies under their control and subjugate the land and the people that whoever was there in their way to gain wealth and control and domination. And colonialism, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag. There were some sincerely motivated, caring people that went along with the wave of colonialism, but the the bigger scope of it is that it, it it was a bad deal. It really messed up the world. We're still reaping consequences of that. By the way, do you know what the first 13 states of the United States were called before they became states? Colonies. That spirit of colonialism was in the birthing of America. It was a spirit of domination, a spirit of control, a spirit of taking over, a spirit of plundering. And you look at the Western expansion of America and the history that goes with it and the way the native people were dealt with power not the way Jesus wanted it to be used that picture that's, you know who that is? that's um, the um, Patriarch Kirill I, Patriarch of the Roman Orthodox Church now we're right into the present now Oh, and you you can't see it in that slide, but there's there's a cross up on top of his hat there. And he's got all the vestments of the clergy in the Russian Orthodox Church. Thousands and thousands and thousands of adherents, millions actually, who follow Russian Orthodoxy. Do you know what he recently said? Just the other day he said this. Any Russian soldier that dies in the battle with Ukraine will have their sins, all their sins, forgiven and will go straight to heaven. That's a Christian. I mean, that's what they call themselves, orthodox Christians. But what is he promoting? He's promoting nationalism. For the glory of Russia. If you die on the battlefield, all your sins are forgiven. Well, haven't we heard something similar to that? If you die for Allah, you'll get 70 virgins and go straight to heaven. There's not a... Ounce of difference between those two thoughts. It's the abuse of power, even if it's done in the name of God. And that's why there's violence in the world today in association with religion. So you put it all together. You've got a combination of persecution fatigue because the Christians were persecuted in the early days. And after two or three hundred years of that, even though their numbers had grown, their status in society had remained persecuted and abused and a minority. And then you have so-called holy wars come into fashion and the Christians got involved with it. And then you have Um, conquest and enslavement became the norm. One of the manifestations of colonialism was global slave trade. They captured these indigenous people. They believed that they were subhuman and they shipped them around the world, including North America. human empire building claiming the name of Jesus and the cross as talismans have we seen any manifestations of leaders showing Christian symbols and talking about taking over and conquest and defeating the enemy lately that's the wide path folks that's the path that leads to destruction if you want to follow the narrow way, you're not going to be striving for taking over. You're going to be striving to serve as Jesus served. Jesus called us to take up a cross and subversively surrender to the powers that be. I like that phrase. I got that from Brent. Subversively surrender. It's not weakness, it's not just giving up. It's realizing that the message of the cross is the power of God, the scripture says. The message of the cross is the power of God under salvation. The message of the cross is the victory. How? By serving, by humbling, by being meek, by being peacemakers, by being gentle we actually subvert the work of Satan on the world. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, Jesus said, be a servant. Greatness comes through servanthood. That's the narrow path. Sadly, Jesus said, few there be that find it. What do we got going here? I can't find my microphone few there be that find it. Somebody said it's hard to convince people that a God they can't see loves them when a church they can see doesn't seem to like them. That's the way people think. That's why about only 20% of Americans go to church now. Is it because the world... um, is so powerful or is it because the church hasn't done what Jesus called us to do we've put our time and our treasure and our energies into obtaining power we want to take over no we must submit and subvert in God's name. It merits repeating. Relationships of domination are forbidden in the kingdom of God. Think about it. Relationships of domination are forbidden in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, the pagan people, the unbelieving people, the Gentiles, they lord it over, not so with you. Lording it over. No, 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 no. If you want to walk with Jesus, if you want to surrender, submiss- sub- uh, subversively surrender, if you want to subversively surrender, you're not going to be lording it over somebody. You're going to be washing their feet. Look we've been talking about last week, they talked about church abuse. Pastor and Amy did a great job on that subject. Church abuse. Where does church abuse come from? Power. Lording it over. Where does child abuse come from? Power. Lording it over. Where does sex trafficking come from? Taking over all of the ills of society that we Christians would like to turn around and correct. We're not going to do it by getting control of the legislature. We're not going to do it by taking power and passing laws and strengthening our police forces and our military. It's not going to happen that way. How will it happen? It'll happen by following the narrow way. It'll happen by following Jesus. Who actually went all the way to execution by the empire. Because the resurrection was to follow. How does this break down into our personal lives? You know, husbands. The scripture says, love your wives and give yourself to them like Christ gave himself for the church. Well, I'm the man of the house. Well, you're a wimp if you talk that way. you got no power in God's name. The power that comes, the authority that comes through Jesus is through what? Servanthood. Giving. Husbands, love your wives and give yourselves to them like Christ gave himself to the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. How do you do that? Same way Jesus did. In the same manner, wives also. The scripture actually says. There's not a hierarchy in the kingdom of God. Jesus is Lord and all of us are his children and his servants. And that's the narrow way that so few of us find. Because we're socialized and conditioned to think that it's might makes right. The emperor Justinian in the 5th century, also the pope, actually issued an edict. He put the sword out on the table and he said, might makes right. And that became the law of the empire. Why is there so much violence in religion and in our work environments and in our homes and in our neighborhoods? It's because we haven't chosen the narrow way. My challenge personally today, I'm speaking to myself. I mean, I had football coaches. I was taught how to be a man. I was taught how to be strong and get them and dominate be tough I'm not against football by the way go Chiefs <laughs> but it's the spirit of it if we, want to see, if we want to see America become great again let's learn to be servants let's learn to be like Jesus people will start responding to us as they did to the first Christians when they see that we're like Jesus. Do you know that it says in the scriptures that in Antioch, after Barnabas and Peter and Paul were there and they were ministering in the name of Jesus, there's a verse that says, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. You know what the word Christian means? Little Christ. That's the actual meaning of the word Christian. When was the last time any of us had somebody say, you know, you're just like a little Jesus? Boy, I wish they would. Oh, how I wish they would. May God help us to do that, Pastor.